this is what Vlad thought, this is what Pierre thought, this is what everybody's thinking now, which is just, it's the internet. Welcome to Nodding Off with Mark and Connor. I'm Mark, he's Connor, and today we're going to be talking about new versions of the noosphere and what that means for us as people moving forward. Let's get to it. We've moved from this place of uh, geological physicality to a more spiritual idea of the life of the human mind and how that connects us all together um, and connects us to God, if you're at least uh, inclined that way. Mm-hmm. And now to sort of some new ideas about what the noosphere is and how we participate in it. Connor, I guess we've talked previously about how the noosphere as it's sort of understood in this popular context, a popular like 21st century context, is a bit different from how you tend to approach it yourself. And part of that seems to be the difference between um, transcendent and technological uh, forms of humanity and transhumanity. So let's first start talking about kind of how the noosphere exists in the popular awareness. Um, and then we'll kind of start talking about some of our own ideas about it. So uh, transhumanism, as technology progresses through the 20th century, um, gets really married into technology, particularly there's um, a, uh, an Iranian, American-Iranian fellow named FM2030, who really pushes um, the idea of body augmentation through surgery, through building machines into the body, which eventually gets to, uh, as the internet becomes a thing, he's very much into backing yourself up on the internet, Martin Rothblatt, Tara Sem kind of stuff, which if you want, we can talk more about Martin, an amazing figure. Uh, But so I found that uh, when I first started putting these ideas out on the internet, I made a video about like, what is the noosphere? And all the comments were like, the noosphere is the internet. Like, it's very easy to think of like, well, we have a global mind of all of, all of us. And it's a, this mundane thing. It's in the wires. It's, it's the internet, which it's of course. so boring. I think it's boring. Yeah. I mean, I like, sure. The internet's great and totally is this interconnectedness of, of human thought in some ways but it's also heavily mediated by corporations and internet connections. And I don't know, we spend all of our time on like three different websites and that's it at this point. So I feel like it's really hard to say like, this is the noosphere brought to you by Facebook, Google right. and uh, Microsoft. <laughs> well, and, and I feel like it, our culture shows that we understand that that's a, horrifying way to look at it you know we're we're replete with warnings from terminator to gene wolf I, I, there's a whole section about you know Syriaca when when she's saying the robots are trying to teach us how to be human again right and that's that's what they're talking about we know that's bad and it's not what the original concept was so i was trying to tackle that Way back in the seventh grade, this is all just creative crap. I was in the seventh grade. I didn't know what I was talking about, but uh, I wanted there to be this 
spiritual space that kind of mirrored the three-dimensional physical space. And I, and I felt that time was a part of that. This fourth dimension of time would be length, like length is length in space. Madeline Langdahl really introduced that idea to me. Uh, and then Douglas Adams in um, Mostly Harmless, where he really hits, drives home that probability is a fifth dimension that is at right angles to time. Right. And that, and it seems like that's something that's getting borne out in quantum mechanics, right? Totally. Yeah. Well, in string theory, at least not everybody's into it, but it's a, it's very popular right now. Although pop culture gets it wrong, which I feel like we should talk about that later. <laughs> the idea of parallel universes is dangerous. Right. There's not, there's not, there's not a multiverse. There's an omniverse. And it seems like the, the omniverse, I know just from talking to you in the past, that seems like a really core concept to, uh, to what we're talking about here. It is. That instead of, instead of looking at possible realities as these sort of physically and I, I guess ontologically distinct things, we have to look at them as one thing. Exactly. Like, it, like when you look at inches in a foot, the inches aren't discrete, you know, it's, it's a continuum and the same, and, and the same thing with time, you know, yesterday is not distinct from today. So the, the right angle of time, the width of time or the breadth of time, however you want to go with it, you can't like go to the room next door with it. It's, it's part of, and uh, I believe that um, Penrose, Roger Penrose, uh, with his idea of a quantum conscious, consciousness or quantum mind where the, uh, the mind is smeared across several different universes, which is how we're able to imagine different outcomes because our mind is actually in universes, in a way in, in universes where, where those different outcomes happen. It's a recognition of that. Of course, these ideas of Penrose are not that popular but then again, Roger Penrose is the person who figured out all the math of what happens inside of a black hole. <laughs> so he's not an idiot, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there tends to be this feeling um, with specifically with science that you can, there's a threshold that you reach with science and it, it tends to boil things down to materialism and like kind of pure physicalism. Um, and then when you start talking about spirituality or sort of ephemeral, uh, non-physical phenomena in the human life, then you're getting to a place where this, this can't possibly be science anymore. I think a lot of people really feel uncomfortable about, <laughs> about crossing this line from science into uh, something that doesn't feel as concrete. And which I don't think that that means that it's not necessarily science anymore. But I think a lot of people really do tend to feel like, well, this, if we can't, if we can't repeat it, if we can't experiment on it, if it's not something that we can all just agree on these core concepts, then it doesn't count. And we, we kind of have to dispense with it. And we can really see this with uh, the rise of the softer sciences, psychology, anthropology, sociology, uh, 
Robert Piercig in the sequel to Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance has a bit where he talks about the first anthropological department of a college had a physicist assigned as their advisor. And he was the one that was like, you can't go native. You know, you have to, and you have to like figure out objective rules that you can, the objective laws that apply to all of these things. And it, it hamstrung those disciplines because that's just not the nature of them. Yeah. And at the same time, you were having the, the, the third Solve Congress or whatever in the rise of these quantum mechanics where people were saying, you know what, hard science physics, the observer in some ways affects the observed and these electrons aren't either waves, are particles, they're both. And it's what you're looking for that, affects which one they are right now to you. Yeah. And I, I think that 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 kind of relativism is really difficult for a lot mm -hmm. of people. Um, but I think I think it's also really funny that, you know, all all of the sciences had their have their roots in philosophy. You know, it used mm -hmm. to only be the one thing, like and just thinking about the world was just called philosophy and then and then it got broken up in all of these different ways and i think that it's easy to see like say like oh well, this is progress because we used to just have this one unified thing and now we can get really granular with all of it and granularity you know that just that doesn't mean that something's growing or progressing or moving forward it just means that you're taking a magnifying glass to it we started getting into it and then we got excited about a million things. But so let's talk more about what the noosphere is to you. Let's go to 1984. I feel like in the book 1984, they point out how time is not space. You know, Winston is getting tortured by big brother, Bob Cherry. And Winston's saying, you can't just change the past. And Bob Cherry says, well, why not? Where is the past? What is it? Point to it. It doesn't exist. It can be whatever I want it to be. And the mind screams, no. And that's because the past exists in the mind. The past only exists in the, in the no sphere. There's, there's parts of the physical world that the hylosphere, I call it, hyla from the Greek material, that the no sphere affects. But, but the actual past, my memory of what happened, only exists in my memory. Uh, and likewise for the future, I, it only exists in my anticipation, which is in my mind. Physicists really, they, they describe reality as having three plus one dimensions because they're physicists and they're studying the physical. They only experience time as it affects physicality. But time is larger than that when you bring in things like psychology, my memory of stuff, sociology and anthropology, how the, my memory of what's going on and your memory of what's going on and other people's memory combines to create this whole history uh, that affects the group of people that we live in. So yeah, that's where you can see that there is, although they are the physical world and the mental world, the hylosphere and the noosphere, are different they too are part of a spectrum uh, and they and they kiss right so it's you know you can't you can't think of them as two separate realities that no. are maybe superimposed on top of each other though i mean that's one way to think about it but it's it's not 
they're not that distinct <laughs> ultimately. Right. They're expressions of each other. And, and so the last bit of this is um, for a long time, I was very unsatisfied with this model, you know, diving back into spiritual crap for a second, Hermes Trismegistus Emerald Tablet as above, so below. I really wanted time and space to be congruent and mirror each other. Where's that third dimension of time? I, I, I started to realize what I thought that the depth of time, that third dimension of the noosphere. There was a woman that I dated on and off a, a lot through my youth. We spent one wonderful day in New Pulse and we were kissing behind a stairwell someplace in town. We broke up. Three years later, we got back together. That lady was living in New Pulse and she was telling me about how she, she walked, she worked in a bakery and every day she would walk from her house to the bakery and she took one particular route. One day she took a different route and she passed this staircase that she had seen a thousand times before, but she, this time she came at it from a different angle and she could see, oh, that's the staircase where we made out that time. And it became a totally different thing for her. And for whatever reason, that got me thinking like, oh, the meaning of it had changed. And so that, that is the depth of, of the noosphere. You know, we, uh, you start with just the skin of things. It's a staircase that in one context, it's just a staircase, whatever. It is what it is. But when she looked at it in a slightly different angle, it was not just a staircase. It was a memory of a lovely time. So would you, would you classify that as meaning? Yeah, I, I, that's, that's what I called it at first. I keep playing around with different words. Meaning is the best one. And, and if you think about it, if we look at meaning as going from this concrete place, it's a staircase, to a more abstract thing, oh, this is a staircase where I had a lovely time. So now it represents lovely times and love in general. So now this staircase, although it's a staircase, also is connected to a rubber duck that I had given her. Now the staircase and the rubber duck are part of the same symbol structure. So it's abstracted out to the point where duck and staircase are the same thing. And I feel like this dovetails in with Teilhard de Chardin's idea of the noosphere being part of this process, this evolutionary process of an intensification of information. That omega point would be where you're able to conceive of a symbol that represents everything, where everything means everything, uh, which is kind of coming back full circle to where each thing is what it is, but you're conceiving of all things as the symbol of all things. And that is that central point. That's the middle of the noosphere. Going back to meaning as depth of the noosphere, probability being at right angles to time makes sense because it's a bunch of times put next to each other, creating a plane. And another reason why that wasn't satisfying to me is that's all concrete information. It's all just information of how I'm perceiving this physical world around me. When we add in this depth of meaning or, or abstraction, 
it seems to me that that's occurring at right angles to both of those things, that you have an object moving through time, moving through probability, but then becoming more abstract, moving upward from both of those things, or more properly, inward towards that point where everything means everything. Because of that, as, as, as concrete symbols are small, but then feed into a larger concept, that kind of creates a curving of that skin. So now, now we can see that the noosphere is a literal sphere. If a whole bunch of points feed into one common symbol, which joins with other symbols to feed into a common meta symbol, that pulls the concrete skin of things into a spherical shape with the omega point, Tehard's second coming, at the center of it. And that's the noosphere. Is there anything else that you want to say about this idea, where you're at with the noosphere, especially as, as it stands in opposition to a more popular version? Well, it goes back to what we were saying, like it's disturbing to a hard scientist, to physicists, biologists, chemists, people who are working with the physical world, because there's an implication, I guess, that there's a larger reality and that imagination at some points might be more real than the physical thing that's going on in front of you. Although again, all over our culture, we see art reaching for this very concept. One of my favorite illustrations of this is the Lord of the Rings. If you look in the first part of the Silmarillion, Iluvatur, which is Silmarillion's god, exists in, in the void of nothing. And he starts to sing, and each of the themes of the song becomes the different gods. And as those gods sing their themes, that's their song becomes a, uh, a world which Tolkien calls Ea. Incidentally, that also is the name of the first god ever. It's the Akkadian name of Enki, of the Sumerian Enki. But in Tolkien's legendarium, Ea literally means that which exists. This implies that g the god that creates that which exists Does doesn't not. exist. So there is this, we, I feel like there's this, there's this part of our culture, at least, that understands imagination is more real than the physical world. And I, and I also feel like this fixes so many problems that we have with like disagreements, just disagreements in general about what that is over there or what happened. Like we can, we can disagree and both be right because we're just experiencing a different noetic realization of this Hylic world. Oh, perhaps we should talk about subjective idealism. Do you think subjective idealism is its, is its own discussion? I think that maybe should be its own, its own discussion. The physical okay. world versus the imaginary world and who wins or fails to win and why and how. Yeah, I'm into that. I think that's also a really good entry into the ideas of the nod, I think, oh. are, yeah, like imagination is such a big part of that. So, mm -hmm. um, okay, we're going to talk more about subjective idealism and the imagination versus the physical world and ultimately how that relates to 
the noetic oracular deck and and what that means so let's uh i'll show you the life of the mind i'll show you the life of the mind yeah beautiful hey thanks for watching this has been nodding off with mark and connor uh remember to uh like and subscribe this uh channel the mercury theater television check back watch all of our great content uh, Wolfpack is our most regular feature, but we have lots of plays, readings, wrestling, all kinds of good stuff for you here. So uh, like and subscribe and check back in for more Nodding Off.